Mac Power Users, episode 364, The Calendar Show. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside my pal, David Sparks. Hello, David. Hello, Katie Floyd. Ready to talk calendars today? I am ready to talk all about calendars. How about you? I, I feel like we did the show one week too early. Okay. It's episode 364. We're just one day shy. Oh, three, 365. Yes. Yes, I see. Okay. Well, that's okay. But th- this, this information cannot wait. We've got a great show today. Um, we're going to talk a lot about underlying calendar technology, uh, the problems people are having, how to fix it. Uh, we're going to talk about some of our favorite apps for the Mac and iOS and, and watch strategies. And we've got a ton of great calendaring tips. Some of it's um, technology related and some of it's just kind of productivity stuff. But uh, I'm pretty excited about this outline. Okay. Yeah, me too. Uh, We do have a couple of announcements. First and foremost, Um, I am going to tell you, I am super, super excited about the Mac Power Users Chicago Meetup sponsored by MacPaw, the makers of Setup. We have a sponsor for the meetup, David. I feel so official. I do, which means it's going to be a really cool meetup. MacPaw has really stepped up to the plate, um, the the dinner plate actually, <laughs> and um, they they we have partnered with uh, Bar Louis, and uh, which is we outgrew our space. We have over seventy people registered, David, for this this meetup, um, and so we outgrew our space at the Hilton. So we we were scrambling to find extra space. Uh, Bar Louis, which is just three blocks away from the Hilton, uh, we've updated the Eventbrite with additional details, um, has, is giving us, well, they're renting us, um, their private meeting space. Uh, so we've got our own private room with our own private bar, uh, very classy place. It's got some tables. It's got some couches. It's just going to be a great place to hang up. Um, People are still going to have to buy their own drinks, but uh, MacPaw is sponsoring all of the food. So we're going to have uh, unlimited selection of appetizers that are going to be rolling out all night long. Uh, We've extended the hours. It's going to be from 630 to 9 o'clock on March 15th. Um, Because of the expense involved, uh, we are capping this at 80 people and we are over 70 right now. So uh, if you have registered and you're thinking, yeah, I'm not really sure that I'm going to make it. I'm just kind of holding this spot on my waiting list here on my uh, registration here. Um, please do cancel your registration because we we have other people who do want to attend. Um, and we have set up a waiting list for the point in time that it goes over 80. Um, we've got that set up as well. So very, very excited. It is going to be a heck of a meetup. Uh, we're going to have great food. It's going to be a great location. You can buy a large selection of drinks um, and there will be secret prizes. Yeah, there's going to be some cool stuff there. But best of all, every time we do one of these meetups, I just so enjoy not only meeting the people listening to the show, but the people that listen to the show meeting each other. It seems like we have such a smart audience, and and that's just reinforced just looking through like the Facebook group and seeing the conversations going on there. Um, I don't know about the hosts, but the, the listeners are definitely grade A for the Mac Power users. So you'll have a good time. We even have somebody coming from Europe, I believe, to this meetup in Chicago. We do, yes. How cool is that? Yeah, yeah. so it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I really hope to see you there if you're in Chicago on March 15th. Um, uh, I have another little kind of side announcement. We the, should just uh, say it's it's not CGB, correct, to my knowledge. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it is. You never you know, never know. You? Yeah, you wouldn't know because he doesn't put his face on the internet. So maybe it is. Um, 
the uh, kind of a side note, the um, the OmniFocus Field Guide, which comes up on the show once in a while, it's that video product I sell. Uh, I have finally been able to get closed captioning figured out and installed. Uh, I've got this new thing now where you can uh, stream it and you can get all the closed captioning. If you are a former customer and you need it, whether you're from another country or uh, you have any kind of issue where you you would appreciate having closed captioning, please let me know. I need to do something magic to to make you get that. And um, send me an email and please be patient with me because it takes uh, actually a little bit of labor to get you, get you what you need. But send me a note if you want that. I don't want anybody to feel left out. Okay, um, let's talk a little bit about calendars. We, we did shows on calendars in the past where we've talked a kind of comparison of apps. And we're going to do that again today because the apps have changed and there's some new players. Um, but just in general, I want to talk about why calendar management is a thing that we should think about. Uh, one of our listeners wrote in on the Facebook group, and I thought it was a real clever message saying, look, I've got a lot of stuff going on in my life and I have a real trouble managing um, tasks. And the way uh, the listener was dealing with it was by making block appointments in the calendar for the most important things. And I believe it was his life. Um, and that's that's a way to handle it. But I just think having a calendar that you can rely upon is so important whether you are just managing a household or managing a, you know, a big company. And we are in better shape now to do that than we have ever been. I mean, I remember when I had the Franklin planner and I had to write down my calendar, and then I'd be standing in a courtroom. I wouldn't have what I needed, or I'd be at dinner with a friend, and I wouldn't be able to tell when I was available. Um, it is so nice now having these calendars that go on your big screen, go in your pocket, and they're always in sync. And I think that opens up a lot of options for us. It does. I, I loved getting my planner updated every year. You know, I had that nice leather planner and then every year I'd go buy new inserts and take the old ones out. And I'd have to, I'd have to like handwrite all of the information into the planner again every couple of years because stuff would happen. And every time you got new contacts, you'd have to re-update it and they were no longer in order. It was horrible, but so much fun. I was, you know, I never... Yeah, I know there's some people even to today still use paper planners because they like that experience, you know, of working with their their fancy pen and their and their you know artisanal paper, and they've got you know. The, I, I even when that was the only way to do it, I thought it was stupid. I just I didn't like it because I I don't want to have to copy anything more than once. I want to be able to have access to it anywhere. Now I even have access to my calendar on my watch, um, so I, I feel like we're way better now. Uh, but I understand that some people like that stuff, but it's just not for me, man. I am totally digital. We were talking about this recently at the house. My youngest daughter got a record player a couple of years ago for Christmas. I'm like, why would you want records? I remember having records when that was my only choice. I couldn't wait to get rid of the damn things. Vintage, man. It's cool. It's cool again. Well, when we gave it to her, she, she it was Christmas morning. She played her first song. And then she says, how do you make it repeat? <laughs> I just laughed. I just laughed. <laughs> you, you pick up the needle, you move it back a little bit, and you hope that you got it right. I'm still angry about when I was like, you know, imagine 10 year old Sparky, like 1978. I had this desk that I would work my schoolwork on, and it had a record player on the shelf, and I had a desk lamp, and I had um, Miles Davis, Kind of Blue, probably my favorite album of all time. And I made money from that being an altar boy, like doing weddings and funerals for like a month to, to get enough money to buy this record. <laughs> and the, um, and the desk lamp was too close to the record player. And I looked up and it had melted like a section of my Miles Davis record. 
I was the saddest child on the planet for like a month after that. I was ready, man. I was ready. I think I'm wandering though. Let's get back to calendars. Back to calendars. Yeah. So these days, our calendars, well, we had calendars on the computer. We had, we had calendars on our Palm Pilots. I mean, there were lots of ways that you could digitally manage your calendar now. But I think the really the best place for your calendar now, not only on on your various devices, but is to have your calendar in the cloud so that it syncs everywhere. You, you can have local calendars on your devices, but, you know, just like with contacts and mail, I really believe the truth is in the cloud now. You, all that stuff should be hosted in the cloud so that you can have access to it everywhere. Yeah, if you're in a super secret profession, yeah, I don't know what that is at this point. But the um, NSA, there's reasons to keep it local. But in general, uh, you know, I turn all that stuff off. I, I feel like that um, the buttons in the various apps that say make a new local calendar or make a, an iCloud calendar or make a Google calendar. The, the fact that you can make a local calendar is just a hazard where you might accidentally press it one day and suddenly you can't find what you need when you're on the road. There should be really big bells and whistles to say you're about to make a local calendar. Are you really, really sure this is what you want to do? Hey, hey, let's talk a little bit about the various clouds, though. Okay, so we're making the case you should use a cloud. Which cloud should you use? I still use a couple of different clouds. I mean, the the big three still are um, iCloud, Exchange, and Google Calendar. Although I've had a lot of people talk to me about um, moving their stuff to to FastMail which um, which does hosting for uh, contacts and calendars as well now, too. Yeah, FastMail is an excellent IMAP mail service, but they also have cloud um, calendar support. Um, but I still think iCloud Exchange and, and Google Calendar are the big three. I think FastMail is another uh, interesting one to look at as well. Um, they they have different, uh, they, they operate in different ways. Um, some work off CalDAV, some work off the Exchange service, and then Google, nobody really knows how it works, but it's just Google's thing. And just to break those down, if you are uh, a person that just uses Apple products, iCloud is a very easy solution for you. That portion of iCloud is free. You know, whenever you get your iCloud account, you get calendar sync in it. Um, it's it's largely uh, stable. Uh, in preparing for the show, we talked about it on Facebook and on Twitter. A couple folks wrote in and said they've had some syncing issues with iCloud. Of all these services, that's the only one we had anybody complain they'd have syncing issues. So, and I'm sure now I'll get a ton of emails about how Exchange and Google Calendar doesn't sync for people. But uh, the only one people actively told me they had problems with was iCloud. Um, I do not have a problem with iCloud Calendar Sync. I've never had one, and I've been using it for a, a very long time, basically since iCloud came out. Well, I think there's a sub. There's there are people who everybody's going to have a problem with something at some point. I mean, there are always going to be those outliers, and there's always going to be the problems, but. I think for the vast majority of people, these are very reliable. So I don't want to harp too much on the the random report we get of people saying that they've had problems and that this doesn't work. And if it's you, I, I sympathize. I'm so sorry. I I'm, I know it's a huge deal for you. But I think that those are just so far, a few and far between that I, I almost hate to to scare people off and say things like that because, you know, it just it it I don't want to do anything that's going to lessen people from. Um, you know, getting their stuff where it ultimately needs to be. Yeah, well, and, and I, I guess I could say, even having heard a few of those reports, I confidently use iCloud for all of my calendars. And I've been doing that since I left the firm. And for my personal stuff, I've been doing that for much longer than that. And it's just not been a problem. 
Uh, a couple distinctions, though, to generalize some distinctions. iCloud is the one that's built into Apple devices, so that makes it very easy to implement and use. Um, so kind of the learning curve or the, the on-ramp is very short to get iCloud running for your calendars. It does multiple calendars just fine. Um, you know, it does notifications. It does a lot, basically all the calendar features you need. Exchange is uh, the Microsoft one. I think it's more powerful than iCloud. Um, one of the things uh, that Exchange does very well is setting meeting availability. Uh, we've got a whole segment in the show later. We're going to talk about some of these third-party services where we say we have seven people that need to meet. When's the next time to do that for them? Um, for a lot of folks, you're going to have to go to a third-party service. I have to. But if you're on Exchange, that is something that can work. Uh, although it, it comes with some expense and, you know, if, Exchange If everyone is, is on Exchange. Exactly. And, it, and it's... It's a little more complicated to get set up, and and quite often there's a fee involved. Um, but Exchange has got a little bit more powerful tools. And Google Calendar, it's a Google product. So um, it doesn't work really uh, friendly, that friendly with other types of clouds. But if you stay within the Google Cloud, it's pretty darn good. And they, ha they always are trying experimental features. I think Google, of all these companies, is the one that's most willing to try and make kind of automation tools and cloud rules and just different things to make the thing be a little uh, bit more cutting edge for you. And I think Google is a good solution for that. So um, it depends where you are. I mean, we talked about this in reference to now email as well and contacts. And I think it's kind of you pick a horse with this stuff. Um, if you decide you want to go with iCloud, you do the contacts, the email and the calendars, everything in iCloud. If you decide to go with Google, you do it all there. Um, and I don't think there really is a wrong answer. So you don't, you don't have to write and tell me <laughs> why one is wrong over the other. I, I think they're all pretty good. And I don't think whichever one you pick, you're probably going to be fine with. But if you get on iCloud and suddenly you're planning lots of meetings with lots of people and you know that they have access to Exchange, maybe you should consider Exchange. Or if you get on iCloud and suddenly you want some feature that only is available on Google Calendar, you can consider making that move as well. So I know that you use iCloud primarily, and I use iCloud for all of my personal stuff. Although I've used uh, Google Apps, which has now been renamed G Suite, I believe, um, for my office. And I, I did that for a couple of reasons. Um, one is because I, I see a time in the future where I may bring in an assistant, I may bring an associate, I may bring in a contract attorney, and I want to be able to keep that all under one separate umbrella. And I wanted something that had a lot of flexibility, a lot of features, it had two-factor authentication, and had the ability to ramp up and ramp down, you know, one at a time. And, you know, Google Apps checked all the boxes for me for that. And I got to tell you, I really like the Google calendaring ecosystem. It's It has a lot of features. It works with a lot of different services. Um, I, there have actually been a lot of times where I've thought about moving my personal email over to Gmail just because of all of the integrations that you can do with Google, like Zapier and If This Then That and all of the other automations that you can do because Google works with that, you know, and a lot of the automatic detection of events and things like that, you know, there, there's this constant privacy versus security um, argument. I, I know, I get that. But uh, there are a lot of features when when you're involved with Google and everything is up in the cloud. Yeah, I've considered it as well. I, I agree with you. Um, it, it, there's just more power there when you get into those systems. And I, I think 
it, it is a it's a question everybody has to ask themselves what they want to do. To me, the the reason I went with iCloud and I've stuck with iCloud for this stuff is the simplicity of it. I think is is a benefit. I don't want to spend my time uh, fiddling with this stuff too much. I need to get my work done, and that the feature list with the Apple offerings are good enough. Um, but I do that with the full knowledge that I could get more power out of this stuff if I switched everything over to Google. And and as Katie mentioned, there there's always that question: is, Do you want Google to know all your appointments and all your friends and re- and have access to all your email? And um, I don't want to get into that today. That's a whole like thing. But but it's it's worth consideration. All right. So so those are kind of the options. Um, and and as we talked about, there's you know different different services, different pros, different cons per per the various options. But I th- I think at this point they're all good options. Um, and then let's talk a little bit about sharing calendars, because that's important, whether you're in a family or in a business organization. There are a lot of ways that you can share calendars, although I have found that sharing works best if you're sharing within the same calendar ecosystem. Um, iCloud shares best with iCloud, Google shares best with Google, and Exchange shares best with Exchange. Um, one of the struggles that I'm having, and I'd love to get feedback or email on this if anybody has a solution, is I share uh, physical office space with another attorney. And so we share resources and we share a, a conference room. And he uses Exchange for his calendaring system. I use Google for my calendaring system. And we'd re- I said, well, let's, let's just set up a, a conference room calendar so we can schedule our appointments on the conference room calendar. And then we know who's got dibs on the conference room. And um, he, of course, wanted to set it up on his system. I think it would have worked if I would set it up on my system. Uh, but there's not been a great way for us to communicate calendars with each other. His speaking exchange, my speaking Google. Now, I would think that you could. Uh, so I'm I'm just hit, getting hit with this problem here. But uh, for, there used to be a service that could uh, get exchange calendars onto Google calendars. Yeah. What he has to do is he has to share his calendar as a public calendar. And what I've told him, I said, well, you just, you just create a, a conference room calendar that's a public calendar and then I can read it, but adding to it is a, is a different story. Apple has exchange support built into the Apple calendar app and the, the uh, Apple, the iOS calendar app, but you would need an exchange account to connect to that. So that's, that's going to be kind of a hang up. Um, but there, is, there used to be a service that would allow you to to put an exchange into Google. And I believe Google at some point stopped supporting that because I used to use it when I was on exchange and I wanted to, I used to use Google as an intermediary to iCloud. I would go exchange to Google to iCloud. Talk about something that that's, you know, set up to fail. Put three different calendar systems in place to get an event scheduled. <laughs> but the, um, but that's it. That's, yeah, I think that you can probably solve that problem. But I think we're getting into the weeds here a little bit. There's two kinds of shared calendars. I think we should just kind of talk about there's, there's the shared calendar itself where like Katie and I have one called Mac power users and we have the shows on there and we have sometimes events that we do together and those go into that calendar and both of us can edit it. We both see it. So that is a shared calendar where every event on that calendar gets shared. You also have what we would call shared events where you have a single event that you want to share with people. Maybe you set a meeting. Um, uh, all three of the cloud services we covered include shared calendar services. 
Um, I can speak as to iCloud in particular because we use it a great deal. Not only do I use it with Katie, I use it with my family. And it's served us really well. And um, we early in the process made shared calendars for each person. So uh, my two daughters each have a personal calendar. My wife has one and I have one. And we share the information but we so each one of us can see it. But we don't give everybody rights to edit those. That Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And then we have one called family, where if it's a family event, which is a little bit redundant, we don't necessarily need that. For instance, if my daughter's having a recital, she could have the recital event, and then she could send an invite to everybody else that's going to be there, and we could accept that as a shared event on her calendar. Uh, but uh, just because of, you know, my family's not that techie, when we have something that's clearly all four of us, uh, then we just set an event. We went to Disneyland last night for dinner, so they... Somebody put in the calendar in the family calendar, you know, family Disney trip. Or if your daughter wants to say, oh, no, you will all be at my recital. She'll put it on the family calendar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but we do, so we've got these different types of shared calendars. And I think that's something, if you're not using them, you should take a minute and think about your life and where that makes sense. Like, I, like Katie's idea about a shared calendar for the conference room at the office. It's a great idea. Um, you can have, you know, you, and I'm going to recommend later that you consider making lots of different types of calendars. It just helps with filtering, but also the more you can kind of narrow it down to specific types of calendars, the easier you can have for sharing and make sure everything gets to every person. Yeah. And sometimes this is just something that requires a little bit of trial and error to make sure that your settings are tweaked just right. Um, and especially within an organization, if you have an administrative assistant or someone who schedules on your calendar for you, you may be able to delegate rights for them to schedule on your calendar. And then what types of notifications do you have? And do certain people have the rights to put on things on your calendar? Do certain people have the rights just to view your calendar and all those types of tweaks that you can do? This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by MindNode. MindNode gives you delightful mind mapping for the Mac, iPad, and iPhone. MindNode is the mind mapping application that just works. They've got versions for the iPad, iPhone, and Mac, and they all work in tandem with each other. I've talked in past uh, ad spots about MindNode, about how I love to use it for brainstorming and how useful it is for developing ideas. Something I haven't really mentioned in the past, however, is how great MindNode is for workflow. MindNode takes full advantage of all the ways Apple devices can share data between themselves. It supports Dropbox and iCloud syncing, so no matter where you're at, you can access your mind maps on any Apple device. I sync all of my mind maps with iCloud because I like to take advantage of handoff. That's a feature throughout iOS and the Mac operating system where when you're working on a file on one device and you jump to the other one, it allows you to pick up right where you left off. This is super useful for MindNode because a lot of times I'll start working on an outline of a presentation on my Mac in MindNode. And then when I want to go to lunch or just get away from my desk, I'll pick up an iPad or iPhone and I can pick up right where I left off. I really think some of the best ways to take advantage of mind mapping is to context shift and put yourself in different places. And I think the idea of being able to open your mind maps from anywhere and make changes or reviews to them really improves the value of mind maps in your life. I think this feature is one of the reasons why I gravitated to MindNode so easily, because it just works for that kind of thing. If you want to work in a lot of places, MindNode makes it super easy. But that's not the only way to share mind maps with MindNode. 
They also have the My Mind Node website where you can essentially publish a mind map to the web and share it with anybody, regardless of what platform they're using. You can also export your MindNode mind map into PDF, FreeMind, OPML, image format, markdown, text, and more. Whenever I'm working collaboratively with a client on a mind map, I send it to them as PDF when we're done. So they've got a copy and I've got the original in my mind map on iCloud. My point is that no matter what your workflow is, MindNode can take care of you. It's a great application to not only build your mind maps, but also share and collaborate with them. Head over to mindnode.com today. You can take a look at some of the videos I made for them. Download the app, give it a try, and let them know you heard about it from the Mac Power users. All right, so we had we talked about shared calendars before the break, but we didn't talk that much about shared events. Shared events are where you share a single event, and that's really easy if you're in the same cloud, like in the Sparks family uh, or the Sparks enterprise of companies, right? You can share calendars with the people that are all on iCloud. Sharing an event to Exchange or Google Calendar or getting a shared invite from those calendars sometimes gets difficult. Um, usually there is an attachment if, the, if you get it through an email invite. And there's a, I think it's the .cal format. It, you'll see a file attached to it. If you click it on your Mac or on your iOS device, it will create an event in Apple Calendar and give you a chance at that point to share it into your existing calendar, no matter what system you're in. I think it's a .ics, and it's a little different. Yes, that's it. It's a little different format depending on which type of calendar that you use. Now, it's important, I think, to note when you bring that in, that is your opportunity before you accept to like set which calendar it goes into. You just got to be a little fiddly about bringing these invites in. And um, so be careful when you do that, but you can do that. Um, and there's a couple additional points on that is um, I'm not – a big fan of always sending out calendar invites for every time I'm going to do a phone call with somebody or a meeting with somebody. Um, uh, and I think it's because it's just for me, I'm, I'm pretty responsible. And if you, if you and I get on the phone and say, we're going to do a telephone call next week, I will record that event in my calendar system. I don't need to have you tell me. And I, I don't really feel like I need to tell you because you need to either be there or not be there. <laughs> So you you need to you need to be a grown up and add it to your own calendar. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, exactly. Basically, so I, I'm not. You know, I I don't feel like you should feel like you're compelled to always do that. There are certain things where it makes sense. If you've got like a conference call with multiple people and you're the one that coordinated it, like through one of the services we're going to talk about later in the show, makes total sense to send out a calendar invite. But uh, I would be a little judicious about when you do those calendar invites. And then the other point I want to make: this is a new issue that's just come up in the last few months. Is with the uh, iCal uh, calendar format there, it's built in where you can get the invites directly into your calendar. And some truly dreadful people on the internet decided uh, around Christmas time this year to start selling Ray-Ban sunglasses or fake Ray-Ban sunglasses by sending everyone in the world a calendar invite that had their sale for Ray-Ban sunglasses on it. Did you get that one? Um, I don't think I did, but worse, my mother did. Yeah, I, I got a bunch of them. And and because I had it turned on where those invites went directly to iCal, suddenly I had all these invites showing up and I would decline them. But I actually wrote a post on it that got some some juice on the Internet because it's like, I don't know if you decline it, then you're sending back a confirmation that there's a person at the other end of that email, you know, and it just there was just like no way to win with those spammy calendar events coming out. And uh, if this is bothering you, you can go into the to the uh, iCloud settings and say, stop putting them directly in my calendar. Just send me an email, which then you can just delete the email, which is useful. But um, 
uh, Apple has acknowledged this and said that they're going to be getting pretty aggressive about filtering it themselves. And I've noticed that there has been no further instances of this now in several months. I think uh, this is a thing where cloud services comes in handy. You know, Apple's got some kind of filter saying, you know, if certain IPNs send out or if suddenly 10 million calendar invites go out, somebody needs to take a look at it before we intrude on all our users. So I think that problem may be getting solved, but that's something to be aware of. Yeah, I haven't had any. I had that one issue, I think, right around Christmas time. And since then, I, I haven't had another one. So some something clearly has changed. Anything else on sharing you want to talk about before we go? I, well, it, it's kind of a topic that pops up throughout the outline, but that's the that's my opening comments. Okay. <laughs> 26 minutes in. There you go. All right. Well, so now can we talk about uh, calendar apps and managing your calendars on uh, Mac? And then I guess we'll talk about iOS. Yes. Okay. I would like to say on that, that a choosing a calendar app, it's not like choosing a mating puffin. You know, those birds that mate for life. You, you don't need to, to worry about it. These apps are not that expensive. We're, we're going to cover a bunch of them. And the way Apple implemented this was pretty smart. They have what they basically, I think it's called the calendar data store. So any calendar app we're going to mention on this show can tap into that, whether it's on the Mac or iOS. Mm, uh, most. Okay, maybe there's some exceptions. But generally, the stuff we're going to talk about, you can try it. And if you don't like it, you can go back to the native app or you can try a different one. And your your event data is going to be just fine. So the good news is, you know, because we're, we're going to cover a bunch of different apps that do different things. Um Whichever one you settle on doesn't have to be your calendar app forever. You can change it and you're going to be just fine. And I, I love that because it makes it fun as users to look for the app that, that scratches the particular itch you have. Okay. So let's, let's kind of do a rundown and we're going to run through these fairly quickly because I feel like we've talked about a lot of them before. Um, so, uh, the, the first one is fantastic. Uh, no, let's talk about the calendar app. Let's talk about the big calendar app. Um, the built-in calendar app, which I don't use much anymore. So that's why I was so quick to, uh, to, uh, to skip over skip it, skip over it. But I, I've actually got it hidden. I, I don't uh, have it on my screen or anything like that anymore, but it's, um, it's there's I know a lot of people who use exclusively the built-in calendar app. It's got a lot better over time. Um, Apple fairly regularly continues to add features to it. Maybe not every version of iOS gets significant new features, but every couple of versions of iOS, uh, it gets a couple of new features. And it's got a couple of exclusive features only to the calendar app because, you know, only Apple can do certain things with it. But it's it's a really good full-featured calendar app, both for the Mac and iOS. Yeah, it's not garbage. I mean, for a while it kind of was, but not anymore. I think it's a decent app. Um, there's a couple things I really like about it. I, I do use it on occasion. Um, it, you know, it's got what I call the native app advantage. And this is true both on the Mac and, and iOS, where because it's it's made by Apple and Apple makes the operating system, it, it just kind of wires in really well. Um, something they added a few years ago that I just love is travel time. Um, so, you know, when you have an event or an appointment, I had an appointment this morning that was about a half hour away from my house. So when I'm putting on the calendar for a 10 a.m. event, it's not really 10 a.m. It's it's really 9.30 to, to whatever time. And the way I used to do this for years was I would create two events. This is how anal I am, Katie Floyd. I do the same thing. I, I'd make an event for getting there and then say it's a drive to event. And then I'd have the event and each one would have its own alarms and settings and things I could do. And See, I would make three events and the third one would be drive from. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, that would be very possible. Depends on what your next appointment afterwards. If you're coming back, then you would have a third event. And if you're going to another event, then you just add it to the front of that one. Anyway, um, they added this thing called travel time a couple of years ago, and it's great. So it does a couple things. It, it will look at the location where you start and where you're going to end up, and it will try to estimate for you. And they're not, they're not terrible. They're pretty good, but also gives you the option just to say, no, give me 30 minutes of travel time. It allows you to set alarms based on travel time. So uh, uh, using my example of this morning, I had it give me an alarm 30 minutes before I needed to leave, not 30 minutes before the event started. So with a ninth, with a half hour commute and a 10 o'clock appointment, it actually gave me the alarm at nine. Uh, super great. Uh, and Apple was the first one to kind of go down this road and it's implemented quite well, I think. Um, so that's something I really like about the native app. And the other thing I think they're really good at is their location suggestions. Um, all of these apps now are doing, or most of the ones we're going to talk about now, when you create an event, like if I put in on March 15th, I want to go to Bar Louie in Chicago. Um, you know, it used to be you just wrote Bar Louie. And if you wanted to put the actual address and other data in, you had to look it up and manually add it. Uh, now these apps look it up for you. And, and the Apple app, I think, does a very good job of that. And the advantage of that is, and I recommend doing it, by the way, you just start typing the name and it gives you a list underneath. You can hit arrow down to the appropriate one, hit enter, and you've added the, the proper location. And when you do that, that gives the computer the data it needs to give you appropriate travel time. And, you know, all this stuff that you need when you're in your car, you can just tap the event and then it'll give you driving directions to the place you're going. So it's a it's a very nice thing. And Apple did the implementation of finding locations for you really well. Do you put that data in your uh, events, Katie? Almost always. And one of the benefits of the Apple app is it really makes it automatic. Um, a lot of third-party apps have started adding travel time, but it's it's not as automatic as the Apple app is. So pretty much anytime you put a location someplace, Apple's going to, um, you know, figure out the travel time. And in fact, I, th I think so many of these apps that we're going to talk about in this segment, many of them do different things well, <laughs> you know, and there's not one app that you could say is the best because they all have different pieces what they do particularly well. So for example, I may use Fantastical for putting in location information because I personally think it does it better than the calendar app, but I think the calendar app does travel time better than any of the other two apps. So I, I tend to piecemeal my calendar apps together to to use them for different features that, that fit. Yeah, I, I do find myself going into the Apple calendar app to do location stuff. I'm sorry, uh, driving direction stuff. And and like even I put a dental appointment in there and I started, I just wrote dentist and it because it, the way I've coded my dentist into my contact system, it knew who my dentist was and it, it I just had to write the word dentist and I got the right address. And I don't think I'm going to get that same experience with some of these other apps. So, so there's some things to like about it. Um, the things like Katie was saying earlier, the things I don't like about the Apple calendar app, and this is true on both iOS and Mac is, uh, it's slow development. I mean, they don't, they don't grow quickly. Um, there's a, there's a term of art, what I call the event parser. It's where you type some some English into a line and it turns it into an event for you. Um, Apple's calendar app does some of that, but not nearly as good as some of the other apps we're going to talk about later. And inevitably, I feel like every time I open the Apple calendar app, I end up doing lots and lots of clicking and scrolling. And uh, that stuff is just a time killer. 
And when you've got to add an event and you've got to open an inspector window and then you've got to click on this box and then click on that box, before you know it, it takes you like two or three minutes to create an event. And if you do it all, when you compare it to some of these other apps, that is just way too much time. Especially other ones that have quick entries and you can do everything by keystroke without ever taking your hands off the keyboard. So I guess our, our overall recommendation on the Apple calendar app is that it's got some things that are worth keeping it around. Well, I guess you do have a choice now. You can hide it, but I don't think you should. Yeah, I think it's worth keeping around. I, I think uh, especially if you do a lot of driving or traveling and you want that travel time feature, I think that's a very good reason to use it. Uh, I don't think it looks horrible. I mean, you know, the design is okay. Um, and that's totally a subjective thing. Some people will hate it, but I think it's fine. And um, you can get by with the native app. I do think that you're missing out on some good stuff with some of these other apps we're going to talk about. And honestly, I, I feel like after the show's over, if you haven't tried any third-party apps, you should try. Just listen to the show. Just make a note of two of them that you like, because we're going to talk about several. Just buy a couple of them and see what works for you, because there, there's some really interesting things out there for you. You want to go to the first one? Yeah, I want to talk about fantastic. I'm sorry. I want to talk about BusyCal. Um, and, and full disclosure, uh, BusyCal was a former sponsor of the show. I don't think they have been in a couple of years now. But um, BusyCal was my calendar of completely, totally my calendar of choice for many, many years. Um, and now I use a combination of BusyCal and FantasticCal. It, it's funny. BusyCal is really my desktop calendar and FantasticCal is my menu bar calendar. So like I said, I'm I'm very much <laughs> use, use the pieces of these calendars that, that work for me. Um, so I overall love BusyCal. Um, it's great development. It dates all the way back to the now contact developers or now, yeah. now contact now up to date developers. They have a lot of experience. They have yeah. a ton of experience and it, and it really shows they really sweat um, the details. It It is probably the best calendar I have ever used for handling um, shared calendars and group calendars. And if that is an area that you struggle with, or if that is a world that you live in where you share calendars with another group of people or an office environment or exchange, um, BusyCal, I, I think, really cannot be beat. Um, BusyCal handled my exchange calendar better than Apple Calendar handled my exchange calendar. So that's that's where BusyCal... That, that's same something, because I think Apple does a pretty good job with Exchange. Generally. Yeah, BusyCal is better, um, especially when it comes to shared calendars for other people in your organization, and and that's huge. Um, so that's that's the probably the the number one feature for using BusyCal, particularly if you need it for that particular thing. Um, and the other thing that I really really like about BusyCal is they do integrate with Notification Center. But if you don't want to integrate with Notification Center, they do have their own customizable alert window. So you can still get um, this, this modal dialog box that will pop up and alert you to things. And what I really like about that, it is it is customizable. So if you get an alert 30 minutes before an event, that's great. It'll tell you, okay, you got this event for 30 min- in 30 minutes. It's probably time to start shifting gears. But then it has the ability to snooze, and I use this all the time. So I want to snooze my my event. I, I've got it. I'm shifting gears. I know that I've got this event coming up, but it's still easy to get sidetracked. So I want a reminder, you know, five minutes before the event or two minutes before the event, so that I know, okay, I've got to clear my desk. I've got to get started. I've got to I've got to get ready for this event. Um, so you can get the notification and then snooze the notification, which you can't do. I don't think with any other calendar app I've tried, and certainly not with the standard Apple notification. So I really like the customization. 
And speaking of customization, this is where it really comes back to um, the old Apple developers, you know, really sweating the details. This has got to be one of the most customizable apps that I've seen. And sometimes that can be a little daunting and overwhelming, but you, I think you've just got to spend a lot of time um, in the preferences and, and figuring out how, how do you like to see your calendar? Do you like to see a um, Monday through Sunday week view? Do you like to see a Sunday through Saturday week view? Or do you like to see what I like, a rolling seven days or a rolling 10 days or a rolling 14 day week view? I mean, those are those are all things that you can do um, with BusyCal. And then they've got a lot of nice little details like a weather calendar and a moon phase calendar and, and things like that. So uh, that, that is what keeps BusyCal as my desktop calendar. Anything, uh, any complaints or areas where you'd like to see them improve it? Yeah, I, I have I have a couple of nitpicky things. Um, a, a couple of things that I would like to see improved is BusyCal could probably be my only calendar if the natural language was as good as Fantastical's. Um, I still keep a dual calendar system because I use BusyCal as my desktop calendar and Fantastical as my menu bar calendar. And um, I, I know that seems a little weird because Fantastical can expand out to be a full-fledged calendar app now. I just don't use it like that. I never have. I've always preferred BusyCal. But um, but I still use Fantastical for quick access and quick entry because I, I, I think that they've still got the edge there. Uh, the UI for BusyCal is a little dated. Um, it was really top-notch and top-of-the-line a couple of years ago, but I don't think it, the UI has quite kept up as much. The one chronic frustration I have, if I could fix one thing, um, the alarms don't sync. So, you know, I was talking about, I love this great alarm dialog box. And so I get alarms throughout the day on my, my office Mac mini that says, oh, you've got this appointment, you've got this appointment, this is going on. And so I dismiss those, dismiss those, got it, snooze them, whatever. And then when I come home and turn on my Mac at home, all those alarms are right there. And we're going to talk about Fantastical in a minute. I used BusyCal for a long time. I've switched to Fantastical. I don't have any particular gripe with BusyCal. I just kind of, there's certain things I like about Fantastical better. I think part of it is because I'm iCloud only, I don't have to deal with Exchange. Um, uh, but but I, um, I I would add to BusyCal though, they've, they've added, um, uh, since the last time we talked about this, iOS apps too. So if you uh, want BusyCal on your iOS device, They've got some some apps out for that. And another thing that BusyCal does that I don't think anybody else does except Apple is they do travel time. So that's one to uh, add to your list. I don't do you use travel time at all in BusyCal? Yeah, I, I do use BusyCal for travel time. The only thing that I'll say is you have to specifically select it. Um, it doesn't pop up as quickly or easily, <clears throat> excuse me, as a standard default as it does with um, Apple Calendar. So yeah, uh, BusyCal, I, I should have added that. It was on my bullet list, but I skipped right over it. Um, BusyCal did add travel time in version 3.0, which is huge. And I don't know exactly how they've implemented it. Does it work in, uh, does it does it see it in Apple Calendar or is it done in some way that's where they don't? No, it's their, it's their own. It's their own travel time, which which means if you've added travel time, which is kind of annoying, if you've added a location, which almost all of my events have location, you then have to go into BusyCal and set, you know, you can set an alert for 30 minutes or for an hour or for whatever, but you have to set a travel time alert. You know, my guess is this is probably something where Apple has not made it easy for people to tie into their travel time stuff. Oh, I'm sure they haven't. In fact, you know what? I'm going into BusyCal right now and looking at my preferences 
Because I, I now that I'm thinking about it, I bet there's a preference that I can tweak to make that automatic. They may not be able to. I don't know. But the um, anyway, so uh, so BusyCal is now they're on iOS. And, and you know, we're going to get an email from the developer after the show saying, okay. <laughs> yeah, I always feel bad. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely correct if we're wrong. But, but, but it, I think it, that's a good thing because he is super responsive. Yeah. Um, now, the, the other one that I think is a, a big hitter in the space is Fantastical, another disclosure. Uh, they haven't uh, pod, uh, sponsored the podcast. A couple of years ago, they needed some screencasts when they came out with a new version. They paid me to do it. So I took some money and made some screencasts for them. Um, I think that their uh, fantastic Cal is a different look than busy Cal. I mean, it's just kind of a different design overall aesthetic. Um, I think I prefer the look of fantastic Cal over busy Cal, but the thing that really got me using fantastic Cal is this amazing event parser. And to me, it, you know, so much of it to me about is calendar entry and, and you're going to find out later just how manic I am about calendar events. But when I talk to somebody on the phone and they're like, yeah, I want to meet next week. I want to immediately capture that as an event. And since I spend a lot of time sitting at the Mac um, and on and iOS, but on the Mac, I've got it down because fantastic Al with this event parser, it's super smart. So I have a keyboard combination. It's a uh, c- control option command F. So it's all the buttons next to the space bar plus F for fantastic Al. And it opens up a window and I can, I can say, um, you know, uh, 222, you know, 2 hyphen 22, 10.30 p.m. PST, and then it'll get it Pacific time, you know, Katie Floyd meeting, and then I can say um, alarm 5 slash MS. And so that sounds like gobbledygook if you're listening, but it's not. Uh, it's just, um, so it's, it's got the date, the time, the description of the event, an alarm 10 minutes before, and assign it to my Max Sparky account. So as long as it takes me to type that stuff, I just created an event. I hit the return key and the event is in my system in the proper calendar. And I can't tell you uh, if you have the ability to do it that fast, how quickly you will become addicted to that. <laughs> That's why Katie is running Fantastic Cal in her menu bar in addition to Busy Cal because she prefers Busy Cal. Um, it's just a great, it's just a great tool to be able to do that stuff. Um, uh so that that's what you that's the thing about uh, fantastic as a starting point is it's got this amazing event parser and, and how often do you use that event parser to create new events compared to other things it's my default way for creating event i would say uh, more often than not when i'm creating event it's doing it that way it, it's just so fast and it, 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 i can't overstate how useful it is because if you're someone like me you have a lot of calendars you have a lot going on you want to have those events show up and you want to be able to choose the alarms like I do before a phone call. It's usually 10 minutes before a meeting. It might be 60. Um, but either way, I've got all this stuff just happening really quick. Uh, but I have more to say about Fantastic Hell after this. So I want to take a moment and thank our longtime sponsor, 1Password. You know, I have been a longtime advocate of 1Password. I use it. I've made sure that all of my family members use 1Password, and I recommend 1Password to pretty much everyone I know because I believe that using a strong, secure, and unique password across all of your various apps and services is probably the number one thing that you can do to up your security game. And I want to talk a little bit more about 1Password's subscription service. Now, many of you may sync 1Password through iCloud or through Dropbox, and that's fine. You can continue to do that. Nothing is changing. But 1Password has introduced a new subscription service. 
You can use their sync service and make sure that you always have the most up-to-date apps and that all of your data is automatically synced using the 1Password sync service. Now, 1Password for families and 1Password for teams both rely on this new hosted platform. But because the response to that was so positive, 1Password has offered their new hosted service for individual users as well. So what do you get with a 1Password subscription? Well, first off, you get built-in automatic sync across all of your devices. They also have data loss protection so that if you accidentally delete a password or something changes, you can go back and recover it. One of the most requested features is you can get web access to all of your data on onepassword.com. So no matter where you are, even if you don't have your device with you, you can access your data. You can see item history for seeing when the last time you restored or deleted or changed a password. They have secure document storage and they have a brand new multi-factor security model. And perhaps one of the best things is you don't have to buy the OnePassword apps anymore when you're on their subscription service. They're all included and you always know that you're up to date. The plan is super affordable. It's just $2.99 a month for individuals, and you can start a free trial now if you'd like to, which means if you've never used 1Password before and you've thought about it, but you didn't really want to invest in it because you weren't sure if it was going to work for you, now you can start a free trial. You don't have to worry about signing up for a long-term commitment. See if it works for you, and I bet you'll find that it is. So you can head over to onepassword.com, sign up for an account now. It's great for new users and longtime users alike. If you decide that you don't want to change anything, that's okay. You can keep using 1Password just the way you have. It'll still continue to sync with Dropbox, iCloud, and all of your other solutions. But go check out all the new features of the 1Password sync service and their subscription plan. And you can get a special deal if you go over to onepassword.com slash MPU in all caps and see what they've got in store for you. So thanks 1Password for your support of the show. So we know that the event parsing and natural language in Fantastical is is top-notch, but Fantastical also has a lot of other great features. One of the things that I like about Fantastical and a lot of people like about Fantastical is it's really pretty. Yeah, it, it is. It's a nice design and, and it's, it's utilitarian pretty, if that makes sense. Um, it, it's clean. It's easy to see. They've got this thing where you've got most of the views, you've got this kind of scrolling list to infinity. I don't know what they call it, but like you've just got a list of your events and that you can just scroll and see them. So if I want to scroll up to see over the next two or three weeks, what the events are coming up, I can see it. And it's just a list of events. It's not, you know, um, blocks of time. So you have to scroll through big blank areas in between days. You just see a list of the events. That's something I use every day to keep track of what's going on. Um, they added a feature in a recent update, which they call calendar groups. And I have a lot of calendars, but you could group them into general categories of the stuff I do on legal, the stuff I do for Max Barkey, the stuff I do for the family. Uh, like I could have one that just groups the calendars of my individual children, my wife, me, and the family calendar. And I could just see that stuff. And having the ability to filter the data and see it that way is super useful. Um, uh, and Fantastic Al isn't just keyboard friendly for creating new events. It's keyboard friendly for navigating it. I think like all this stuff for me is, is almost second nature now when I'm using it. I don't even think about what keys I'm using. That's always a good sign for me. Like if I open the menu bar and I hit, um, was it control zero or command zero or there we go. Zero. It just opens the calendar, the full calendar view for me, which is nice. And, um, like BusyCal, they've got a lot of preferences. Like if you want your week to start on Monday, it can start on Monday. And 
you know, how much data do you want to show in the week view? You know, both of these calendar apps have are very mature in that regard where you can display the data the way you want it. Like if you want to put it on a little tiny screen, you can limit the data. If you're going to fill up your 27 inch iMac with all your calendar, you can display a bunch of data. Um, I, I could go on a, a couple things I like uh, that they recently added. And I don't know if they haven't checked with BusyCal to see if they've done this or not, but uh, when you've got the the day view now in BusyCal, they've got this really cool feature. Fantastical. I'm sorry, Fantastical. They've got this really cool feature if you have people in other time zones where it can display the time of the day on the left side where you're at on the right side, wherever the person you're dealing with is at. So you basically have two times on the calendar at once. So it, it, with Katie, it would show me three hours away. But when I'm like dealing with with Mike Hurley in London, I'm always confused. I mean, am I trying to get him to talk to me at two in the morning? So uh, Fantastic How will show me what time it is for him as well as me. That's okay. He's awake at 2 a.m. Yeah, no, that's the weird thing about the guy. I'll send him like a Slack message when I know it's clearly the middle of the night for him with the idea, well, you know, he's got notifications turned on. He can respond to me in the morning at Slack. And then he'll reply in like five seconds. I'm like, okay, this is getting weird. Um, another thing Fantastic Hal did recently is their touch bar support. I think there's like a, a Max Barkey article in this because uh, all these people are doing touch bar support on the new MacBooks. You know, you've got this fancy touch bar. And some people are doing their apps where they just basically copy the function keys or the keyboard shortcuts. Apple's doing this like with all the pages and the iWork suite. And I don't find it all that useful because I already use keyboard shortcuts, so I don't need that stuff. Um, but with the um, with the, the way Fantastical did it is they actually show you a scrolling list of the next several days in advance and behind where you're currently at where that is actually quite useful to be able to jump between those days without taking your hands off the keyboard. And I feel like that's the way we should be going with these touch bar apps. And that's just an example of the fantastic Al team. I mean, they're really trying to figure out, well, okay, so we have a touch bar. How are we going to make it more useful to our um, users? Um, my gripes with the uh, fantastic Al, my biggest gripe is no travel time support. And, uh, you know, I really hope they get it at some point, but I don't really want it um, travel time that just works in fantastic hell. I, I think it, travel time needs to work in every calendar app. And I don't know, maybe this is a problem with Apple, but fantastic hell doesn't support it yet. Um, on the Facebook group, uh, I asked about this and the biggest, the, well, I don't know if this is the biggest complaint, but one of the complaints I heard was, uh, no weather integration. They don't have, you know, the ability to display the weather on your calendar. So the beauty about the Facebook group is they not only raise these issues, but they also solve them as well. Yes. Um, so we had a solution in the Facebook group to the no calendar, the no weather integration, both in the Apple Calendar app uh, and in Fantastical. And um, Josh suggested that if you use Google Calendar, because that connects with if this, then that, that you can set up an if this, then that rule to daily send the weather to your Google Calendar via if this, then that. And then it will basically, you'll be able to see the the weather in your calendar which is kind of a workaround, but it works. I, I'm that that's never really been an issue for me. Even when I use B BusyCal, I never turn the weather on inside the calendar app. It's just I don't know for whatever reason. I, maybe it's because I live in Southern California, and it doesn't change. <laughs> it just doesn't change that much. It's just a it, it just gets in the way. Um. All right. So we've got some I would call honorable mention apps, but we've also got a section in the outline about dealing with these apps on iOS. I think that 
a lot of the stuff we've said about BusyCal and FantasticCal apply equally to the iOS versions. Um, they're both good apps. I mean, like the parser is just as handy on FantasticCal and iOS as it is on the Mac. Like even the keyboard has some of the custom buttons that you're going to need. Have you got much experience with the BusyCal iOS app? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so a lot of the things that I love on BusyCal for iOS uh, are almost identical to what I love on BusyCal for Mac because BusyCal has done a really good job of replicating some of the best things about the Mac app and bringing it to their iOS app. And again, I'll just tell you, um, you know, the things I really like about the BusyCal app is, again, it's the best mobile app for shared calendars which is great on the Mac, but it's even more important on iOS because there just aren't iOS apps that work with shared calendars. And so I used to have BusyCal sitting right next to Fantastical on iOS when I was working quite a bit in the firm situation with shared calendars, and I needed to schedule something on iOS and see other people's calendars and availability. Yeah, and, and Fantastical does support that now. They ex support Exchange and they support the um, shared calendar so you can show your calendar availability. But not as not on iOS. Oh, I I don't know. I don't know. I, I, now I'll get a message about that one. But the um, the um, but I I want to talk about some of the other apps because there's several people have written into us with some of their other apps on calendars that they like. Um, one that got uh, several people writing in was Daylight, which is another sponsor of ours. In fact, they're currently a sponsor, but um, Daylight does a lot. I mean, they do calendaring, they do uh, CRM, they do contact management. It's it's a It does a lot, but a, a lot of folks wrote in that they're very happy with Daylight for managing their calendars. And I think if you're a Daylight user, that's the way you should do it. You should keep everything together. Um, another one that we heard from folks on, on the iOS side, and I received several emails about this app um, going back now for several months, is an app called TimePage. Um, so I went and bought it, you know, like I said, none of this stuff is that expensive. It's kind of fun. Uh, time page is made by the company that does the, um, what are those little paper notebooks that everybody loves? Field um, notes. No, it's the, uh, the traditional one. Um, it's going to come to me in just a minute. <laughs> I'm sorry. Getting senile here. But anyway, uh, their company, um, starts with an M. Moleskin. Moleskin. Yes. Moleskin makes an app called time page. And it's got a really interesting design. It's unlike anything that we've seen before, you know, where Fantastical has this really clean design. BusyCal has a more traditional design. Um, Moleskin, if you had imagined a digital calendar made by Moleskin, that's what Time Page looks like. When you first open the app, it gives you a selection of colors and says, what's your favorite color? And you pick a color and suddenly that becomes the background. And the typography is really nice. Uh, the app includes uh, things like weather support, and it includes um, time to leave. And it just feels almost like an Ernest Hemingway experience as you're using it. Um, it includes location support. It's not nearly as quick to create a new entry as something like uh, Fantastical is. Um, but once you're done, the entry looks really pretty. And I think there's a reason why a lot of people are, are attaching to this app because it's, it, it has an opinion as to what a calendar looks like that's different than what you're used to seeing. Um, they also have a really cool feature called daily briefing where they kind of give you a rundown of what's coming. And I think that's kind of nice. Uh, I haven't used it enough to have a lot of complaints about it. I can tell you the design really probably isn't for me. I, I prefer kind of the utilitarian experience I get with fantastic. I mean, it looks pretty, but it, it's also super useful to me. Um, but uh, I can see why a lot of people do like time page. And I think if you're looking for something 
with a little bit more whimsy in it, you might want to check that one out. Um, another one we heard a lot about is Calendars 5, and we talked about that the last time we talked about Calendars. Um, that's a, a super popular app. It seems to be particularly uh, popular with people using Google Calendars, um, but it works with other calendar systems as well. Um, I don't have a lot to say about it, except every time I mention it on the show, I hear from a lot of people that really love it. Have you played with Calendars 5 much? Yeah, I did. It's It's been, I think I tried it when we did our last calendar show. I downloaded it. Still looks great. It has, again, a very clean design. I, I would say a little bit more traditional look, um, but it's super, you know, the, you know, the, the gang over there that um, makes Calendars 5, same people that make um, PDF Expert and Spark, uh, Readle. I mean, they do good work. Their design is always very nice. Yeah, they have great apps over there. So that's another one worth checking out. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace and enter the offer code MPU at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace is the place you go to build a website that you love without breaking the bank. Squarespace easily lets you create a website for your next big idea. With a unique domain name and award-winning templates, you can't go wrong. I use Squarespace for MaxSparky.com, and Katie uses Squarespace for KatieFloyd.com. We're not alone. We hear from listeners every day that have built beautiful websites for their businesses, their restaurants, or even their weddings using Squarespace. The great thing about Squarespace is they can support just about anyone. Maybe you want to create an online store or a photographic portfolio or a blog. Whatever your needs are, Squarespace has got you covered. They have an all-in-one platform that's easy to use. There's no patches to worry about and no upgrades needed. You just sign up and get started. You don't have to worry about all that other stuff because Squarespace takes care of it for you. They've got award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab unique domain names. And their templates are truly beautiful. They're, they're great. I mean, there's a lot of web services out there that they all look the same, but not with Squarespace. Whatever your personality is, whatever look it is you want for your business, Squarespace has a template to get you started. When I first started writing MaxSparky.com, I used a blogging system that required frequent software patches, and it seemed like there was always a problem. And I was spending more and more time becoming an expert at creating a blogging engine than actually doing any blogging. And that's when I decided to move to Squarespace. And this is long before they were a sponsor of the show. As soon as I switched to them, I just loved it because all of this stuff is taken care of for me. The site looks good. I don't have to worry about the background mechanics of it. They do that for me. And I'm able to publish the material that I want. And that could be you as well. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com. No matter what your next big move is, you're going to want to put it on the internet. And there's no better place to do that than Squarespace. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for the Mac Power users. Your website will be awesome and will look good at the same time. Win-win. Thank you, Squarespace, for supporting the Mac Power users. So let's talk a little bit about um, managing calendars on the Apple Watch, because we've got calendars on our Mac, we've got calendars on our phone, and now we have calendars on our watch. <laughs> and and now we have multiple choices for calendars on our watch, too. Did, did, you, did you ever think that we would say that? No, I, I I thought it was coming. I I wasn't that surprised when Apple, you know, they had apps on the watch from the beginning, but they were they were kind of terrible because the way the system worked, you had to use Apple's calendar. 
But just before we get into that part of the discussion, having your watch on your your calendar on your watch is super useful. I think this is one of the best reasons to buy an Apple Watch um, throughout the day because I I am highly calendared and um, and I need those things on my calendar to make sure I block time to get all the you know keep the, all the plates in the air. And at any time I can just look down at my watch and it, like right now it says record MPU, you know, so I know what I'm doing next. And the um, it's it's really nice to have that. So just in general, I would say if you have an Apple Watch. Do try enabling the um, complication that gives you your next event. Hang on. My, my watch says record MPU. I guess we're in the right spot. Yeah. It's a shared calendar. We're good. I, I actually changed my watch face recently um, so that I could have that full uh, line of calendar down at the bottom. And I'm really enjoying having – I used to just have a, a small um, – where it was just the calendar in the corner – so you could see when your next event was, but I'm really enjoying having that additional information that says actually what's coming up next. With the utility watch, the bottom line for me is always my next event. And that's the face I use all the time. I'm actually using one of the new activity faces that shows you your three rings in the middle of the watch. Um, and since one of my widgets anyway was activities, I kind of got a widget back. And so I could, I could do the bigger one at the bottom. Super useful. And if you turn on the alarms, it's even better. Because your watch taps you, so you get to the next thing. Um, all right, so let's agree that's a good thing. But here's the problem. Um, if you have multiple calendar apps on your watch, the notifications get nuts because everybody's doing the same thing at once. So my advice is, is pick one that works. Before, the advice would have been just use the Apple Calendar and use nothing else. Because as much as I liked Fantastical and the early versions of the watch, the appointments didn't keep up. You know, They didn't sync enough to the watch. Uh, with iOS 3, it helps third parties out a lot, and um, the syncing is much better. So if you use one of these third-party apps we've talked about that has a watch component, uh, most likely you're going to be fine. Uh, but find the one that displays the data the best for you and is the most consistent. But but definitely try it. So for a while, I had this tip, and I think it's less of an issue now with, with watch o, uh, iOS, watch OS 3. I would use um, Fantastical on my iPhone, but I always would, would switch it up on my Apple Watch so that the notifications and that the calendar that I used on my Apple Watch came from um, the calendar app, not the Fantastical app. And part of that had to do with the fact of, you know, background push and what was running natively on the on the watch versus what had to be running in background mode. But my understanding is that if the app is properly optimized, that that should not be as much of an issue anymore and that third-party apps, you know, do have more preference now under iOS 3, um, watchOS 3. Have, have you, are you running um, notifications for Fantastical on the watch or are you still doing that from the calendar app? And what's been your experience with Fantastical on the Apple Watch since, since watchOS 3? In general, I like the way Fantastical displays data better than the way the Apple Watch displays data. Uh, for calendar events, the uh, the uh, the um, the, uh, the Fantastical uses more of a black background, whereas the uh, Apple Calendar app draws like white boxes, like little calendar entries, which I think it's easier to read the Fantastical ones. Uh, with iOS three, it's been more stable. I'd like to. What I should do is compare them, but I haven't noticed a problem like I was noticing before. Now, if I look at my my, you know, my watch, it does have the appropriate event next where I was running into trouble with that before iOS 3. So I think you can get away with a third-party app now. 
You don't need to use the, the Apple calendar app for that. Okay. Um, one of the big questions we had coming into the show is how do I deal with scheduling events with lots of people? You know, and we've all been party to those emails where, you know, it's to seven people and they're saying we need to do a, a you know, a, a phone call or a meeting, you know, how about, you know, when's everybody available? You know, that's the worst thing you can do is say, when are you available in an email, by the way, if you ever want to set an appointment, just say, how about Tuesday at 9 a.m.? It's just so much easier. No, I think the worst thing you can do in an email is say, please RSVP. <laughs> that's the worst thing and not have everybody in the BCC field. Okay. So if you're on an exchange network with everybody on exchange, there's, a, there's an easy way to deal with that. Um, but not everybody, you know, is on exchange and, and that's not necessarily the solution to the problem. So let's talk about how we kind of get around it. Yeah. So why don't you talk about Doodle first? Because the services that I'm using are a little different class of app for that. I started using Doodle many years ago. It's a web service. Uh, I believe it's doodle.com. And I've never paid for it. They have paid options, but I've just never needed it. And I use it both for my my lawyer business and my my publishing business, where if I need to set a meeting with more than one person and I know going in, it's, it's going to be something that's going to take more than an email or two to set. I just set up a doodle and, uh, you know, doodle is not ideal. I've tried some of the competitors and every once in a while I try a competitor and every, I'm not happy with them. So, so doodle, I come back to doodle. Uh, the, the UI feels a little dated, honestly, but it's okay. It's a web service. You sign up for it. And when you set it up as the meeting host, you say, okay, I want to have a meeting. These are the days that are available and the times that are available. And you give it your, your time zone. And once you go through the whole process, it has a, a, a thing where it can send out an invite to everyone and they can, you know, log in and fill out what days work for them. And they can pick the times that are most convenient and doodle will automatically figure out when everybody can be at this meeting. I don't use it that way though. Instead of what I do is when you get to the end of the process, Rather than telling Doodle to send out the invites, it gives you a link. And then I just take that link and I put it in the emails to everybody that's going to attend. So then I send the email that says, hey, everybody, we need to have this meeting. It's kind of important. Please click the below link and, and put your availability in Doodle. I'm assuming you have a text expander snippet for this. I do, as a matter of fact. <laughs> you might want to write that up before the show goes live and we'll put the link in the show notes. And the way I do it is this is clever. I use it. I use the um, the paste buffer field and the text expander snippet. So I copy the link and then I just go into the email and I type the snippet and it automatically puts the link in for me. I don't even have to paste the link. Um, but anyway, so I send that out and everybody on the list, because it's an email that comes from me as opposed to some random service called Doodle, which they're going to think is spam or whatever. Just weird, because if you say somebody, I'll doodle you, it just it doesn't end well. Yeah, that, that doesn't end well. I, I can tell you from experience. <laughs> but the, um, so I send the email out. Everybody gets the doodle. They click the button. And then as the meeting organizer, I can check in and see where we ended up with. And then I have a separate text expander snippet to say, okay, we got the meeting. This is it. Um, so it costs nothing. Like I said, uh, if you've got a big company, you can subscribe to it and get additional features. But for just setting the random meetings, it's a super useful solution. And, uh, and I'm I'm still very satisfied with it. So I'm using it all the time. I think you should share your Doodle workflow and your text expander snippets. Can I give you that assignment before the show posts? I will try. I'm not going to promise. 
Well, I use Doodle all the time. Um, I don't remember who introduced me to it. I've been using it for years. And I am trying to spread its adoption because every time I get on, is it passive aggressive? Every time someone sends an email out to more than two or three people saying, when are you available? That I set up a Doodle for them and say, please click this link with your availability. Yeah, I, I love Doodle. So I... I wanted to explore a little different type of option for scheduling services and and try to fix something that was needing a need for me. And and particularly ever since I I went out on my own, I was looking for a service where people could schedule time with me and not have to do the back and forth. When's good for you? When can we have lunch? When is a good time to set up coffee? When am I available for a 30 minute and those types of things? So I wanted access to some kind of service where as long as I kept my calendar updated, which I do, that um, someone within certain parameters that I set up would have the ability to schedule a meeting with me. And there are a lot of these scheduling services out there. I've tried a handful. Um, I've settled on one. And then actually in researching this show, I found another one that I really want to try, but I'm happy with the one that I have. So I think as soon as my year is up with the one that I have, I I may try this other one. Um, But I think these scheduling services are um, good for a particular class of people. You know, if you're the type of person who um, has to schedule a lot of phone calls or meetings, um, if you have a lot of appointments that you set up with your peers or if your customers are more tech savvy. I think if you're in a service type business um, where what you do is is pretty, um, honestly, if it's pretty scriptable, um, if, if you can send this, if you can do the same routine and send the same email to people um, over and over again and to collect the same kind of information, I, I think you might be a candidate for, for this types of thing. And so um, I think it's probably not good if your clientele is less tax, tech savvy, which is kind of a problem for me because a lot of my clients are older. Um, or if the type of meetings that you're trying to set up require a lot of customization, or if you're not good at keeping your calendar updated, because then what the worst thing that can happen is if you let people schedule on your calendar and they start scheduling it at inconvenient times and you end up having to reschedule things because that just makes you look bad. And, and it just takes way more of your time. <laughs> and it creates more work. So um, I tried a couple of these scheduling services um, the three that I want to talk about are uh, Schedule Once, Calendly, and I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that's right, but it's C-A-L-E-N-D-L-Y. So it's like calendar, but with a D-L-Y at the end of it. Um, and then there's a third one that I haven't tried, but I researched for the show, and I think I might switch to it at some point, uh, is Acuity Scheduling. Uh, the one that I have settled on and that I'm using and I'm very happy with is Calendly. So... Um, Basically, these these all do pretty similar things. They have a bunch of different pricing plans, um, and, and they all do similar things depending on which plan that you buy. I tried Schedule once. Um, they start at the cheapest. They've got plans that start at $5 a month, but what I found out with them is that their $5 and $10 a month plans were really too basic to be much help. It really wasn't until you got into the higher tier plans that you were really getting all the features you need. And just just to step back for one minute, I'm not sure it got across. So this is a service where someone can go on the internet and say, I want to meet with Katie Floyd. And it gives me the times that you're available and I can sign up for the appointment. And you have no, Katie Floyd actually has no involvement with that. She just, her calendar gets updated with the appointment. Right. And so why don't I do this? Why don't I walk you through how I use Calendly 
And that will, will give you some idea of number one, how I set it up. And then number two, what it can be used for and kind of what the, what the workflow is there. So what I did on Calendly is I think I pay a hundred bucks. I paid annually. So it's, I think it's about a hundred bucks for a year and it allows you to create multiple appointment types because different appointments take different things. So for example, I've got one appointment type that I call lunch. So I schedule lunches right now, Monday through Friday, between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. And I schedule the lunch for an hour and a half. And um, I only schedule one per day, so I can limit the number of lunches I schedule per day, because obviously I don't want to eat lunch twice. Um, and I collect certain information when I schedule it. I um, I schedule, you know, I ask, you know, people's name, their email address. Those are default questions that always get asked. Um, a phone number, and then I, I can customize some questions. I say, where do you want to eat? Where do you want to meet? Um, and then people can schedule that. And I can make that be a public appointment so that if somebody goes to my Calendly page, they'll just see, oh, I can schedule lunch with Katie. But since I don't want anybody who goes to my calendar page to be able to schedule lunch with me, because you know all of a sudden I'd have random lunch appointments from people, I can make that a private appointment. So if I want to schedule lunch with somebody, I just send them to the link. And um, I have a text expander snippet for all of this that, you know, it has a nice little introductory phrase and it says, um, let me know if there's a specific time you want to meet or perhaps the best way to get on my calendar is just to schedule with me directly. You know, here's a little link and we can see what works best for you. You know, so it, it seems a little more formal than I don't want to schedule this, just go do it yourself. And, um, and if you send it to the right person, they really like it. That's why I think you have to to pick your audience. Um, younger people love it. My peers have really loved it. But, you know, my older clients are more hit and miss. It really depends on how tech savvy they are. So I've got an appointment set up for lunch. So that's that's my lunch appointments. I also will meet with people for coffee. And so I've booked that out. So I only meet with people for coffee um, Monday, Tuesday, and Friday mornings. And... Um, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday evenings at certain times. I'll meet them at 8, 8.30, or 4 p.m. on those times. So if somebody goes to book coffee with me, they can book it on one of those times on one of those days, and those are the only options that they see. They don't see any other time on my calendar that they can book coffee with me. And in that case, the little questionnaire says, you know, name, phone number, email address, and then I have a multiple choice pop down that says, where would you like to meet? And I've actually picked Katie's office because I can make good coffee at my office. Or I've picked like four nearby coffee shops. And they pick the one that they want and I just meet them there. And so what happens from the user's point of view is they schedule it. They um, can get a link to add this directly to their calendar. So if they're calendar savvy and have a Google Calendar and iCloud They'll get a link that adds it directly to their calendar. They also get an immediate email that I've customized that says, hey, your coffee with Katie is scheduled. Looking forward to it. As a reminder, here are the details. You know, can't wait to meet with you. 24 hours before the event, um, they'll also get a reminder that says, hey, just a reminder, your your um, coffee with Katie is coming up. Uh, here are the details. And so it's worked out really well. Um, and the beauty, the thing that I like about it is I can create all kinds of events. So I've got 
right now about a half dozen different events customized. I've got lunch, I've got coffee, I've got, you know, uh, an initial consultation that asks the client for some questions and tells them my procedure. I've got an estate planning consultation that kind of goes through that procedure. Um, you know, I've got a 15 minute phone call. I've got a 30 minute phone call and I've, and some of those are public. So if you go to my, my professional website, you'll see those. And it says existing clients of the firm can, can schedule with me using these links. Um, and then some of those like the coffee and the lunch and the initial consultation, um, are private, which means I, or my receptionist has to initiate those saying, okay, well, I'm going to send you more information and this is how you can schedule your appointment. And anyway, I just, I think that these are nice options for people, you know, I think like if you're, you know, maybe a hairstylist or if you're a photographer or a freelancer of some kind and you want people to be able to book appointments with you, I mean, that's huge. If you can get the appointment booked um, and many of, many of these allow you to even integrate payment solutions so that you can take a deposit, Calendly doesn't integrate it into it, but it allows you to send them a link to make a deposit so you could link them to your PayPal account or something. Um, but you know, if you can like schedule that appointment and then get your deposit and then get those things taken care of, it can be huge. Um, the one that I saw that I was researching for this show is called acuity scheduling. And that's the one that I think I'm going to try as soon as my, my year with Calendly is up. Although I have no problems with Calendly acuity scheduling looks like it includes intake forms, payment processing through Stripe, um, you know, text messaging reminders, QuickBooks integration, and is really more designed for people who are looking to accept payments when they book their appointments, which I don't necessarily do, but I think it might be a nice option to have. And, and I do think that it depends on what you're doing. I This stuff, I've looked at this stuff before, and it just never really made sense for the kind of things I do. But I can totally see with certain businesses where having customers be able to sign up for an appointment without you having to be involved in the process makes sense. Well, and I didn't, and, and again, I think the key to this is you have to be really careful and selective about how you use it. I offer it as an option on my website, but I will tell you probably less than a dozen clients have actually used it. Where I find that it works really well is with peer appointments people who want to set up lunch, people who want to have coffee, people who want to do those types of things. And for a hundred bucks a year, not having to do all of those emails and phone calls back and forth. And perhaps that's just because I'm totally antisocial. Um, it's already, it's already paid for itself with that. And, and I, like you, I integrate it with text expander. So I've got a text expander snippet that then has the optional fill in fields where I've got all of those um, special links as an option that says, okay, are we scheduling lunch? Are we scheduling coffee? Are we scheduling a 30-minute consult? You know, what are we scheduling? And then it fills in the link appropriately. All right. We have a bunch of calendar tricks and tips that we're going to talk about right after this. I want to thank our longtime sponsor, the Omni Group, and talk a little bit about OmniGraffle. So OmniGraffle is a tool for creating precise, beautiful graphics, whether it be websites, wireforms, electrical systems, family trees, maps, 
Anything that you want to do can come to life in OmniGraffle. No matter whether you are a professional artist or graphic designer or just the casual mapper and diagrammer, you will find something new and useful in OmniGraffle. What makes OmniGraffle exceptional is that it is so easy to get started, but it has plenty of power user features available for you when you need it. With OmniGraffle, you can create pretty much anything. And I'll tell you, I absolutely am no artist and no designer. But I have created some pretty amazing things using OmniGraffle, especially in my law practice, which you wouldn't think would be a graphics-heavy practice. But particularly when you're mapping something out for someone or trying to diagram a family tree or show how multiple things are related to each other, OmniGraffle is a great tool to do that. OmniGraffle is available for both Mac and iOS, and the iOS app especially is great when you want to just be able to get your hands on something and really feel like you're actually touching your work. With OmniGraffle, it's very easy to take just your quick little doodles and diagramming and turn them into professional pieces and then quickly export them to a number of file formats, including PNG, PDF, and others. And of course, no matter what platform you're working on, whether it be Mac or iOS, all of your documents can be managed quickly and easily through OmniGraffle's document browser and synced across your multiple devices using Omni's signature OmniPresence service which is a secure and free way to keep all of your documents in sync built right into OmniGraffle. OmniGraffle is available in both standard and pro versions, and it's available both on Mac and iOS. So you can learn more about these apps by heading over to omnigroup.com or pick up copies in the respective app stores. Omni has done something really unique with their Mac App Store pricing. So you can download the app for free in the Mac App Store, and that comes with a free, fully functional two-week trial. If you decide that you love it and can't live without it, you can buy the app using an in-app purchase, which will either unlock the full features of the standard or pro version, depending on what you decide is right for you. You can find more information about the apps either in the Mac or iOS app stores or over at omnigroup.com. Thanks, Omni, for their continued support of Mac Power users. All right, I've rambled on for quite a long time about uh, scheduling services. I was really excited about them. Can you tell? I, I am. I, I think it's interesting. I, I, I'm always looking at these things to say, well, can I use that? And the fact is, I want fewer appointments in my life. I don't want to make it easier. So um, I, I just it just doesn't work for me in the kind of work I do. But I, I get it. I get it why people do it. And I've worked with people that use them. And that makes sense to me. But uh, I, I have just started a while ago, just started writing down something in Apple Notes every time it occurred to me for the show, something I think a bit of wisdom or uh, experience from the trenches I thought I'd have. Um, so I thought we'd just kind of go through these. They aren't, they aren't necessarily in any great order, but it's good good stuff when you're working on your calendar. The first one I would say is is when you create a calendar event, write it for future you, not current you. And what I mean by that is, have you ever looked at your calendar and saw an event that's like Katie hyphen mouse hyphen, you know, episode, <laughs> you know, like, what the heck is that about? I have no idea what that appointment is supposed to be for. Um, and when you wrote it down three or four months ago, it made perfect sense to you. But now you read it and you have no idea what it means. So write your write your calendar events down in a way that future you can understand them. Okay, that makes sense. The, I mentioned one already. Uh, if you're going to set a meeting, if you're not going to use one of these um, fancy systems like Katie's talking about, if you're just going to set a, a lunch appointment with a friend, um, always send it in an email with the time and date in the email. Never say, hey, I was thinking about having lunch. 
Um, I am available Monday, Tuesday, or Thursday, or, you know, that stuff, I think it's too wishy-washy. Just say, think about having lunch. How about Tuesday at 11 a.m.? Well, and I would say even get even more detailed and say, and what about McAllister's on Newberry? Does that work for you? Exactly. And and they're occasionally they're going to write back and say, I can't do it then, but how about Thursday or something? And then that's fine. The, then the game is afoot, as they say. But quite often when I set meetings that way, I think the majority of the time they they write back and say, great. And then I've got it done. And and there's kind of a, an extra tip I do on top of this. Whenever I send out that email and that suggestion, I create a calendar event because Fantastical is wicked fast. And I just create a quick uh, calendar entry for the time and date, except I put uh, at the front of the entry a question mark. So it'll say lunch with Katie, but it'll have a question mark at the beginning. And then as I'm looking at my time, if someone calls me and says, hey, are you available for lunch on Tuesday? I say, oh, you know what? I think I'm going to be busy that day. I I don't know yet, you know, at the time, but then I just don't double book it because the, you know, when I didn't do that, what would happen is someone would call me later and say, how about lunch on Tuesday? And I'd look at my calendar would be empty and I'd say, great. And then Katie would write back and say, great. And then I'd have two lunch appointments at the same time. So I, um, so that's why I started doing this. And now, um, I just don't double book that way. So it's, it's kind of a two for one tip there. Another thing I had the, have you ever had a day or a week that was just incredibly productive where it just seems like everything fits and works? I had one of those last week, and um, I, I heard a tip from a productivity guru who's going to be on our podcast soon. I'm very excited, so I've been doing some research waiting um, for them to come on the show. I'm not going to spoil it, but they said, think about what your ideal week would be, or maybe if you can't get that far ahead, what, what is your ideal day, and then extrapolate from that. And so I, I sat back and I looked at what made last week so special, and the thing that made it so special is there was at least... One day, uh, Thursday, I had absolutely no meetings and I had an entire day in the office where I could get all the work done that had was generated from all the meetings that I had that particular day. And I had no meetings on, I had, I had some light things, uh, Friday in the, uh, in the morning. Like I had a, I had a lunch and I had a coffee and then that entire afternoon was free. And so I started thinking about that's what made that day so great. My Friday was light. Um, with some social events and then some working space. My Thursday was a total dedicated work day. And I thought I am going to try to actively arrange my calendar in the future to create my ideal week from now on. Yeah, I think that is great advice. And the, the um, even think about your energy levels. Like I was noticing, I let myself get in the habit of getting into a bunch of um, extended phone calls and conferences in the mornings over, over course of a couple of weeks. And I, so I'd get done with those. It would be, you know, sometimes two in the afternoon by the time I was dealing with all the phone stuff. And then I want to get real work done and it would be actually quite difficult um, because then there's the other stuff that comes up at the end of the day. And I've been consciously over the last few months now trying to not schedule phone calls and meetings in the mornings. And whenever that's possible, I find that I'm much more productive because if I can just get up and just have the first four or five hours of of getting work done before I, I deal with people, uh, then it's more productive. It's difficult because with my job, there's a lot of emergencies and people suddenly need me and they call and I have to deal with it. But uh, to the extent I can try and keep it where I have my mornings available, I get more done. And that's not going to work for everybody, but I, the, the point is to be conscious of it. 
lately I've been doing this thing with time tracking where I'm tracking all my time, not just the time for clients, but all the time I'm spending in everything. And it's, it's super eye-opening for me. Uh, we'll talk about that at some point on another show. But the um, but give some idea to your energy levels and when to schedule your meetings and use your calendar wisely that way. Um, we talked about travel time uh, earlier and how Apple Calendar supports it, BusyCal supports it. They don't they don't really share it, and some apps don't support it at all. Uh, if you if you have travel time outside, just go ahead and create separate events for it. I think that's fine. So syncing, uh, sharing calendars, we, we've talked a lot about. I think you need to think about who are the specific people that you want to share calendars with, because when you give somebody access to your calendar, you give them a lot of power. Yeah, agreed. And there's different kinds of sharing. There's sharing where they can just view it, and there's sharing where they can edit it. And be very careful about who gets what. Katie, Katie you're one of the only people in the world that I share a calendar with that they can edit it. Well, but you don't share your calendar with me. You share the MPU calendar with me. You still haven't given me your OmniFocus drop email, uh, mail drop email address yet, though. I'm working on that. And I never will. And I never will. The other thing is uh, creating appointments with Siri. I know people who love this, and I know people who get very, very frustrated with creating an appointment with Siri. And I think that's because you have to use very specific syntax. Once you learn it, you know, this is the bad you know, remember back when the Palm Pilot days, I don't know if you ever used one, but you had to learn to write in Palm language, not English, you know, like I remember, I think the F was just the top cross and a down and the T was uh, from left to right and then down. And so suddenly the humans were learning a new way to write to satisfy the computers. That's still a certain, uh, it's kind of true with Siri to this day as well. You have to learn its syntax. If you can get it down and, and remember it, um, it's quite useful to create appointments. And I still, my Fs are still messed up because of the Palm Pilot. Oh, are they? Yeah, I think we talked about that once now that you mentioned it. Um, if you're having trouble with Siri, though, uh, I'm going to activate it here. So who knows what's going to happen on the show? Again? See, there she goes. If you hit the question mark, though, uh, once you activate it, it gives you a list of different apps and syntax. So if you look at the calendar syntax, there's a lot of, of good information there about how you can set up meetings and, and do things with your voice. I think you also need to limit your notifications. I, calendars are one of those things that come through. They I get notifications for calendar events on my phone, on my watch, and those types of things. But you want to make sure that if you have multiple calendars installed, you're only getting notifications for one of them. But the flip side of that is use notifications for your calendar events. They're super useful. I mean, if you've got a, a phone call with somebody... Uh, that you're going to do at one o'clock and the difference between sounding like you know what you're doing and the uh, sounding completely clueless is spending 10 or 15 minutes preparing for it. Set an alarm 15 minutes before and and sound super prepared when you get on the phone. I think that's a really great tool that we can use. And don't be afraid to set multiple alarms. Like I will, when I have a calendar, uh, a, a phone call scheduled with somebody, if I need to prepare for it, I'll set an alarm for preparation, let's say 15 minutes in advance. And then I'll set a separate alarm for uh, one minute in advance of the appointment. So I don't. what happens is sometimes I start preparing and I lose track of time and I look up and it's five minutes late. Now I'm a flake because I didn't call on time. So, um, so use multiple alarms. Let's see. Other, other tips. Um, what do you think about bucketing and budgeting time on your calendar? Now, I know that we don't use our calendars as, as to-do lists. But how often are you blocking time off on your calendar for doing specific tasks? And I started thinking about this more, you know, after I had that super productive week, 
when I spent, you know, pretty much my entire Thursday working on specific tasks. Do you make appointments with yourself? Yeah, we, we talked about this. I think it was the big question show a few months ago uh, when people were talking about getting overwhelmed with task management. Um, I think that it makes perfect sense to set an appointment with yourself to do an important project. I don't think it makes sense to hyper-manage that, like make seven appointments with yourself a day. Uh, the way I use it, if there's something weighing on me, like I've got something I, I know I need to get working on and it seems like I can never get time for it, I will often just set an appointment with myself. I'll say, okay, in two days, I'm going to give this thing three hours. And then I'll go on OmniFocus and I'll defer all the tasks related to it to that day. And then it gives me the freedom to say, okay, I've set it. I'm going to deal with it. And I don't have to think about it anymore. And that's, um, that's a useful feature for me. I have some friends that get a little more anal about this and they, they hyper manage appointments for themselves all throughout the day. I don't do that. There's, um, there are a few apps, um, the one, actually, there's only one I can think of now that I mention it. The one that I use is called Calendar Paste, and it has the ability to create calendar templates for you. So if you find yourself in a situation where you're creating the same type of event, but maybe not necessarily on the same date or time, like if you have a specific shift for work, or David, I use these with our MPU guests. Like when I share a calendar appointment with our MPU guests, I, the, you know, the title is always record Mac power users. And then the Skype information is in there and the call information is in there and the technical information about, you know, recording their audio and the mic is always in the notes field. And I have created all that once using calendar paste. And then I, I click on calendar paste and it asks me for the date, the time, and then it creates a calendar event. So if you have um, similar types of appointments that uh, you have frequently, whether it be a particular type of sales meeting or staff meeting or, or something like that, consider creating a template for it. Yeah, the uh, another way to do that is just duplicating an existing event. That's always been really easy on the Mac. Almost every Mac app we've talked about here in calendars, you hit Command D or some form of Command D, you can duplicate an event. So it's not it's not moving it, it's actually creating a copy of it. Then you can put it wherever you want in the calendar. Uh, on iOS, it's always been a bit more of a challenge. Um, a fantastic Al can do that. So if you've got, you know, I was talking about that list of events. If you just uh, swipe from right to left and, and click the more button, you can duplicate an event. Like, um, like if I'm going to go to the gym and it's Thursday and I'm going to do the same appointment next week, I'll just duplicate the event right there on my phone. And then I don't have to go through the process of creating a new event. Um, and then you had mentioned using separate calendars for separate tasks. I probably don't use as many separate calendars as you do. I have a work calendar and a personal calendar and an MPU calendar. Uh, and then I know you have separate calendars for your family members, but it sounds like you get even more granular than that. Yeah, I do. I have one for like routine for things that like are day-to-day -day things that I, I like to be able to separate and see these things in different views. Uh, within the, the Mac Sparky realm, I have different calendars depending on whether I'm working on a book project or MPU is a different project. And um, I, I just find it really useful to see that data. I generally display all of it, except for the family stuff. I don't display my children's calendars or my wife's calendar because that's not places I need to be. But um, I like to be able to see um, how I'm allotting my time. It's kind of a feedback mechanism for me. And it's, it doesn't cost anything, especially if you're like me and you're using iCloud for everything. Uh, setting up multiple calendars doesn't matter. It's, the system is going to work just fine. I think if you're using multiple clouds, it can get confusing. Uh, but 
I, I really like the idea of having many calendars so I can see how things work. Um, the, uh, we talked already about kind of project time buckets using a calendar to set aside time. Um, uh, one thing though, I think people should give thought to, and I think this has really matured over the last year is almost every calendar app we've talked about has interesting implementation of notification center on iOS. Um, where you can quickly get a view of the events in the next day or the events in the next hours. All, almost all of these apps have come up with an interesting way to display your calendar day with just a flick down. And I think that's something, if you're not using it, that's a really good case for a notification center to, uh, to start using it. Well, we have covered a lot about calendars, and I'm sure that our listeners will have more. So a great place to follow up and add more feedback. In fact, you'd started a thread about this in the Facebook community that I think has got upwards of 50 comments on it. So if you want to contribute to this discussion, feel free to leave us feedback in that Facebook community. That's um, you know, I think we've got almost 2,000 members there now. Yeah, it's great. Keep them coming. Um, you can also send us feedback to the show if you'd like. You can send that to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Or the show is on Twitter. We're at MacPowerUsers. Or I'm at Katie Floyd. And David is at MacSparky. And we'll continue this conversation uh, both online and then in a feedback show at some point. We will. Katie, I, I hate to do this. Can I go back and say one more thing about a calendar trick? Of course you can. If, if you're a workflow user, you can create templates for um, calendar events with workflow. That's all I'm going to say. Just think about that. Maybe I'll do a post on it. There you go. All right. And with that, I'm going to say thank you to our sponsors, MindNode, 1Password, Squarespace, and Omni Group. And we will see you all later. 